I'm just going to tell you up front, if I sound like a kid going through puberty and my voice is breaking, allergies have finally gotten hold of me. My goodness gracious. The rain this morning turned our driveway yellow. What? What? Oh, my goodness gracious. Yes. Wow. I need a new producer. You can direct your you can direct them to WSB radio because the current one just got fired now that he can talk down the mic without you people hearing it. Now, we need to take a turn to the headlines. The American Cultural Revolution has begun in ways I did not expect, but man, has it happened. Now, what am I talking about? Well, to kick it off, we should explore a Peggy Noonan column. Peggy Noonan, uh, acquaintance of mine, a very, very nice lady. She writes the the Wall Street Journal. She's a Pulitzer Prize-winning columnist. She worked for Ronald Reagan. She helped draft the Shining City on a Hill speech. She helped draft the uh, Mr. Gorbachev tear down this wall speech. She stayed on to work for George H.W. Bush. Uh, tremendous person, thoughtful writer. She wrote a piece this weekend about how essentially China's cultural revolution has come to the United States through the Internet. People with no sense of history tearing each other down, um, magnifying stories. She actually, one of her jumping off points was a lady on Twitter who commented that it would be great if, um, if libraries could be opened longer during the evening so that she and her friends could go to libraries at night and hang out and get educated as opposed to going to bars at night. The poor young lady got dragged through social media and had to apologize for suggesting that. Why? Well, because people who were married to librarians attacked her for wanting to keep their spouses in the library at night. Other people attacked her for being so clueless about the amount of money uh, that libraries don't have. On and on and on it went. And now we're seeing this happen today. Tucker Carlson is in the news. Tucker Carlson in 2006 was on a radio program called Bubba the Love Sponge, which I believe at one time maybe is still, I don't know. There was some affiliation with this, with with this company. I have no idea what it is, but in any event, um, so Tucker Carlson was on the show. He was an MSNBC employee at the time. Tucker Carlson worked for MSNBC until 2008. No one had any problems with Tucker Carlson saying outrageous things on Bubba Love Sponge. And full disclosure, I hadn't listened to him. I, I don't care what they were. I do not care what Tucker Carlson said on a radio show, a shock jock radio show in 2006 when he worked for MSNBC. Whatever it was, it was more than a decade ago. He's on the TV five nights a week, find something outrageous that he said now to go after him on. But they, they didn't. Media Matters, which is a left-wing group that targets conservatives and tries to drive them off TV. Media Matters is going after Tucker Carlson for old comments from 2006. This is very much like what uh, left-wing activists did to Kevin Hart, the comedian, who they pulled up stuff from around the same time, 2005, 2006. Uh, Kevin Hart said things that the gay community hated. They they got him booted from hosting the Oscars. Well, it's not just Tucker Carlson they're coming after. They're also now, of all the people to target, left-wing activists are now targeting Joe Biden, former vice president of the United States. To who? To Barack Obama. He's not liberal enough. 
It's staggering how they're attacking him. So let me read you part of this Peggy Noonan column. This Wall Street Journal over the weekend. In the mid-1960s, Mao Zedong, suspicious of those around him, weary of the moves of erstwhile Soviet allies, damaged by disastrous famine his policies had caused, surveyed the scene and decided it was time for a little mayhem. The problem wasn't his disastrous ideology. It was, he wrote, quote, feudal forces full of hatred towards socialism, stirring up trouble, sabotaging socialist productive forces. The party had been infiltrated, according to him, by pragmatists and revisionists. He wrote this in the epigraph of uh, Frank Decatur's The Cultural Revolution of People's History. He wrote this, Who are our friends? Who are our enemies? That is the main question of the revolution. Mao Zedong would find and purge his foes, the usual suspects, intellectuals and other class enemies, capitalist rotors, those who clung to old religions and tradition. In Mao's last revolution, uh, Roderick McFuquer and Michael Schoenholz, tell of minister of higher education official, brought up on charges of enjoying a bourgeois lifestyle. He had been seen playing mahjong, a game, by the way, Mao Zedong also played. Mao unleashed university and high school students to weed out enemies and hold them to account. The students became the paramilitary Red Guards. They were instructed by the party to, quote, clear away the evil habits of the old society and extinguish what came to be known as the four olds, old ideas and customs, old habits and old culture. Sweep away all monsters and demons, the state newspaper instructed them, and what a vengeance they did. In the struggle sessions, the accused, often teachers, suspected of lacking proletariat feeling, were paraded through streets and campuses, sometimes stadiums. It was important always to have a jeering crowd. It was important that the electric feeling that comes with the possibility of murder be present. Dunce caps, sometimes waste baskets, were placed on the victims' heads, and placards stipulating their crimes hung for their necks. The victims were accused, berated, assaulted, m many falsely confessed in the vain hope of mercy. Were any guilty? It didn't matter. Fear and terror were the point. A destroyed society is more easy to dominate. The Chinese Catholic Market Chu, a medical lab assistant, was dragged into the office of her labor camp in 1968 and made to answer invented charges. Their real motive was once and again to force me to admit all my alleged crimes, she wrote decades later. I did not commit any crimes, I asserted. She was accused again, roughed up. She denied her guilt again. Immediately, two people jumped on me and cut off half my hair, she wrote. She was tortured, left in handcuffs for a hundred days, and imprisoned for years. While being tortured, she sometimes prayed for death so her suffering would stop. The Cultural Revolution lasted a dozen years and died with Mao in September 1976. In time, a party congress denounced it for what it was. Ruinous. Well, Peggy goes on to write, The spirit of the struggle session is all over Twitter. On literary Twitter, social justice warriors get advanced copies of books and announce them for deviationism as insensitive, racist, appropriative, anti-LGBTQIA. Books on the eve of publication have been pulled, sometimes withdrawn by authors who ap apologize profusely. Everyone's scared and the tormentors are not satisfied. They get excited by the apologies and prowl for more prey. Well, they've come after Tucker Carlson for his 2006 statements on Bubble Love Sponge. Media Matters already signaling, more's coming, more's coming. He's also a racist. He apparently said, said some terrible things about um, 
some guy who was accused of having child brides and, and uh, the, the media matters accusations. He's okay with child rape, which isn't true, of course, but it's the accusation. That's the problem, not whether it's true or not. Again, Tucker Carlson was an MSNBC employee at the time. They're only going after him because he works at Fox. Now these statements have been out there since 2006 and media matters never touched them until now, but they're also coming after Joe Biden. It's not just conservatives who can be targeted in the cultural revolution of the left. By the way, you should know that Peggy Noonan has been threatened today. Uh, all sorts of people harassing her, demanding revocation of her Pulitzer for writing what I just read you. Uh, they're proving her point for her. So why are they coming after Joe Biden, of all things? Because, unfortunately for Joe Biden, his life began before Barack Obama became president and he became vice president. It began decades ago. And in the 1970s, well, Democrats are seeing lots of things they don't like about Joe Biden today. Yeah, you heard me right. For things from the 1970s. I'll explain what they are when we come back. Not all of us sleep the same way. 63% of Americans sleep on their sides. I'm one of them. My butterfly pillow gives you support in the places you need it most, keeping neck and spine in alignment throughout the night, even if you switch sides. My Butterfly Pillow, it's patented sleep technology that elevates your head to where you need it. It includes a place to fit your arm and a pillow and a pillow for your ear. It's soft, it's comfortable, you can stay in one position all night. The height of My Butterfly Pillow is adjustable. Do you fall asleep to white noise, meditative sounds? My Butterfly Pillow has Bluetooth adapted night owl speakers so you can listen to music, sounds, or even smart TV. Now, I would like to tell you all about My Butterfly Pillow. My Butterfly Pillow, they sent me one, and I got to use it one night. And then my kid confiscated it and hasn't given it back. Loves it. Uh, has a 3.5-millimeter um, jack. Can plug in an iPad or an iPhone or an iPod and listen to music through the night while they sleep. Surrounding themselves with music. Very comfortable pillow. They love it. They, they're the ones who swear by it. So listeners to The Eric Erickson Show can save $30 off the list price of $129. Use code ERIC, E-R-I-C-K, at checkout, and you'll get my butterfly pillow for just $99 and free shipping in the continental United States. Go to MyButterflyPillow.com and enter code ERIC at checkout. You'll save $30 and get free shipping. That's MyButterflyPillow.com. The checkout code is ERIC. It will change the way you sleep. The phone number here, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. One of the most important things we do for our health every day is, well, we brush our teeth. Most of us don't do it properly, though. And I don't think people realize now there's more and more research that shows that uh, it helping uh, brushing your teeth regularly and thoroughly it's actually good for the rest of your body. Things enter in through your mouth, the, the plaque on your, your teeth, get under the gum line, get into your blood system. You, you got to keep your teeth clean. You got to keep your teeth clean. Quip is a better electric toothbrush designed by dentists and designers to, well, do just that. Keep your teeth super clean. Sensitive sonic vibrations, gentle enough on your sensitive gum, strong enough to go up against your plaque and tartar. Well, the toothbrush works. I'm a big fan. I've been using it for a couple of years now, and you can too for a great deal. You can go to getquip.com slash Erickson right now and get Quip 
for just $25. And you'll get your first refill pack for free with Equivalex Toothbrush. What's the refill pack? Well, you get a brush heads. Every three months, they send you a new brush head, keeps your toothbrush fresh, and they'll send you a new AAA battery. So you go to getquip.com slash Erickson right now. The Quip is $25, and you get your first brush head refill pack for free. That is your first refill pack for free at getquip.com slash Erickson. Go there today, please. I want to spend just a minute before we get into the Joe Biden details, because we only have a, a limited time here in the segment. We'll, we'll discuss Joe Biden's sins on the other side of the break. But uh, Donald Trump under all sorts of attack for signing Bibles in Alabama. And I have said that I think it's creepy and gross to sign someone's Bible. And if, if you give someone a Bible, write them a nice note, uh, sign it, give it to them as a gift. But if someone asks you to autograph their Bible, don't. Uh, you didn't write it. I'm, I'm, I refuse to sign books, and I've been asked to sign Bibles in the past. I've declined. Uh, I just, I, I didn't write the Bible. Uh, the president didn't write the Bible, and I don't want to sign the Bible. It, it also gives the Bible um, more of an, an idol-like significance that someone famous has signed the Bible uh, when it should be focused on the Word of God, not the signature of the person inside of it. But that being said. There were some people whose property was wiped out. That's all they had left. They wanted the president to sign it, and he did. Uh, while I would have declined to do it, the president didn't, and who cares? That's the point here. The media has turned the president signing Bibles into a multi-day story. Of all the things going on in the world, ask yourself if the president signing someone's Bible is worth the media's attention. This gets into, and, and, and if I have time, I want to get into this later. Uh, Jeff Zucker from CNN went after Fox News again this weekend. Seems like uh, Fox News is living rent-free in CNN's head these days. Everyone at CNN going after Fox. Uh, there, there's a level of humility missing, I think, from the criticisms of CNN. Um, but really, is there not bigger stuff in the world happening than the president signing a Bible or or Tucker Carlson saying something in 2006 on the radio? Apparently not. Uh, and well, it's going to come back to bite Joe Biden as well. When we come back, Joe Biden, 40 years ago, did things that today he's going to be attacked for. It is Atlanta TV News. I'm Eric Erickson, and the phone number here, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. Joe Biden is in trouble with the Democrats. He is arguably the front runner without even getting into the race. He's the hypothetical front runner right now. Most Democratic voters want a more moderate candidate. The problem is that most Democratic voters do not vote in primaries, and the Democrats who vote in primaries, they don't necessarily want Joe Biden. He leads in all the polls, but he's got some real weaknesses, and we're starting to see this. Joe Biden is being attacked for positions he held in the 1970s. In the 1970s, Joe Biden represented Delaware in the United States Senate. Uh, this is actually a, a significant issue because, well, if the Democrats want a fresh face, uh, Joe Biden was raised by the wolves of the Senate, so to speak, in the 1970s as one of the youngest members of the Senate. 
And I don't know that people are really going to want, hey, this guy from the 1970s, really? Even though he was vice, um, Barack Obama's vice president and he's like 78 years old. He'd be 80 if he won the presidency. But back through the 1970s, believe it or not, Delaware, a reliably, reliably liberal state now, was a swing state in the 1970s. Is a swing state to the extent that one of the big issues in Delaware in the 1970s was crime. And Joe Biden was very down with victims' rights and wanted to stiffen penalties. Well, he's being attacked now for being a racist, for supporting stiff penalties on crimes and criminals in the 1970s. He's also being attacked as a racist because in the 1970s, Joe Biden opposed, wait for it, Wait for it. He really opposed this. He wants to run as a Democrat. Joe Biden opposed school busing. Yeah. It's an interesting juxtaposition in that Kamala Harris, who's running for uh, president as a Democrat, has credited school busing uh, with changing her life. Uh, Joe Biden opposed it. I suspect that Kamala Harris has made those statements recently as a way to distinguish herself from Joe Biden. But Biden in the 1970s, he opposed uh, mandatory school busing in Delaware for a couple of reasons. One, Delaware was not the Confederacy. Two, he was afraid of what it would do to local communities in Delaware. Three, he was opposed to it on principle. He did not think that putting kids in buses to drive them halfway across uh, a county to go to school was good for the kids, good for the community, good good for the school. And he ultimately changed his mind. Now, Joe Biden has voted for all of the major civil rights legislation that came through the Senate while he was there. Joe Biden has voted over time to reduce um penalties for crime. He was Barack Obama's vice president, for God's sakes. The first black man to be president of the United States went with Joe Biden. And that is not good enough for the Democratic Party base right now. They are savaging Joe Biden for these things. But again, this goes back to Tucker Carlson and Peggy Noonan's column. What is the statute of limitations for this stuff? There doesn't appear to be any. And the left is intent on defining people by the worst thing they've done in the judgment of the left and never allowing us to move on from it. It's actually kind of funny today to watch CNN reporters dragging Fox News staff for not doing anything about Tucker Carlson, who said stuff on TV in 2006 when he worked for MSNBC. A part of this, the attack on Tucker Carlson, has everything to do with CNN going after Fox but part of it as well is this culture on the internet of uh, dra dragging up the things people have done in the past and then seeking to define them by those things. This isn't healthy for society. It is not healthy in any way, shape, or form for us to be doing this. And yet the left has decided to weaponize this, to, to go back in. You know, as a matter of fact, on principle, I've decided to delete a, a week. So I, a, all of my tweets delete after a week. You can't go back and find the stuff that I've tweeted in the past. I'm, there are plenty of screenshots. I'm sure the, the left is out there taking screenshots of every single tweet that I've tweeted and archiving them at Media Matters to, to pull back up in the future, uh, and I expect that. But at the same time, I, I've decided to go in. I'm not going to make it easy for people to go through and find something, often taken out of context, no less, and then attack me for something that I, I tweeted in 2007. There's no reason for anyone to do that these days. This is one reason, by the way, if you come to our house, you can't get on Snapchat or social media. 
we block it at our house. I can get on my devices, but you in general at our house, you can't because I don't want my kids on it. I don't want my kids to be defined in 10 years by something they've tweeted today as a 13-year-old or a 10-year-old. I don't want them to interact with the trolls on Twitter. I don't think they're mature enough or responsible enough yet as a 13-year-old and a 10-year-old to use it. And I know parents are letting their kids do it. And time and time again, we're starting to see kids were on Twitter in high school. They got into college. They got a football scholarship. They got a prestigious award. And here come the Twitter trolls to destroy them for something they tweeted when they were 15 years old. I think as a responsible parent, you should not let your kids be on social media. And that includes, in uh, well, Instagram I'd make an exception for as long as they have a private account. But Facebook, Snapchat, Twitter, uh, TikTok, which is some new music uh, video service, all musically, all these things. I would not let my kids on any of these social media platforms. In fact, you come to our house, you can't get on any of them because they're blocked. Uh, you should consider the same for your kid. So I, I use a, a device called the Circle from Disney. Um, it, well, it's, it, Disney has branded, you can get them at Best Buy, you can get them, uh, wherever you want, uh, tech stores. I think you can get them at the Apple store. Um, it, it is, it's, it's a device that allows you to determine what devices in your home can connect to the internet and where they can go on the internet. So my kids, they each have hand me down iPads from me. Uh, that on the weekends they're allowed to use. On the weekday, if they try to get on them, they can't get on the internet on these things. They're, they're programmed to only be able to get on the weekend. And then on the weekend, there are only a number of hours per day they're allowed to use them. And then there are only a number of places they're allowed to go. So you can't get on Snapchat or Twitter or Facebook from these devices. They're blocked by the Circle uh, device. It's a, You don't even have to connect it into your routers. It's really easy. You plug this thing into a wall outlet. It is a standalone box. And then it connects via your Wi-Fi to your router that connects you to the Internet. And then all the traffic that goes through your router passes, bounces to this device first. And this little device says, yes, they can get on the Internet. No, they can't get on the Internet. Yes, they can. But here are the restrictions. And it makes it easy for us to be able to monitor what our kids are looking at on the Internet, how much time they're spending on the Internet, uh, where they're going on the Internet, what they I don't want them to do on the Internet. And I'm telling you, if you are a parent and you give your child free reign over the Internet, one, you're asking for trouble. But two, more and more, we're finding kids who are defined by the bad things they've done as 13, 14 and 15 year olds when they get into their 20s on social media. We see it happen all the time. We saw it happen with that football player who, who won the football award and they started dragging him over stuff he did when he was 15 years old. The Internet is an increasingly dangerous place, and it's largely dangerous because there are too many people on the Internet who want to show no one any grace and want to define everyone by the worst thing they've ever done or what the left-wing troll decides is the worst thing they've ever done, whether or not it actually is, which is why you need to step up your protections of your kids getting on the Internet. Hello there, Eric Erickson here. The phone number 404-872-0750, wsb talk Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez was at South by Southwest in Austin. It's a huge deal in Austin. Uh, it used to be just an entertainment uh, conference, and now it's entertainment and politics and, and you name it. Uh, and the political events and venues attracted more attention than the entertainment stuff this year. People are starting to complain that it is gotten too big for its own good nonetheless we got a lot of audio for her when we come back right now though i want to get to the phones uh want to go to megan from canton you're going to be up first tonight welcome thanks 
Sure. Sure. Um, I just wanted to talk about the social media and teenagers. I'm actually an administrator at a high school, and not only are there dangers of losing scholarships, there's, you know, physical danger because you never know who's watching your posts. And um, also, we're starting to see a lot of social and emotional issues and mental health issues because kids are constantly comparing themselves and thinking they don't measure up to all these other people that they're following. Yeah, you know, Megan, thanks very much for the phone call. I, it's funny you should say that. I was watching Meet the Press, and uh, Chuck Todd noted that the NBA is concerned. NBA players are spending so much time on social media. They were encouraged. NBA players had been encouraged to interact with fans and whatnot on social media uh, to play up their social media presences. And now the the mental health issues of their players is starting to be a concern for the NBA. Uh, they are paying attention to every bit of criticism. They're taking them all to heart. They're not be they're not able to weed out who's trolling and who's not. And it has deeply impacted the sense of well-being of players within the NBA, and it's not just them. Uh, it is your kids and mine, the things that nasty things people say online can come back to haunt them. And frankly, the Internet's forever as well. Uh, even kids are, are starting to, to wise up on Snapchat, which uh, portrayed itself as very ephemeral, that your, your videos and whatnot that you did on Snapchat, they only lasted for a short amount of time and then they disappeared. And that's not true at all. People are using second cell phones to take pictures of the stuff uh, from Snapchat and putting those up on the Internet and ruining people, ruining kids, driving up rates of suicide and whatnot. It, it's not healthy, and I don't think society is really, truly prepared for it. Uh, not just the rise of fake media and media and whatnot. Um, it's becoming a problem. And it is being weaponized by partisans, uh, particularly on the left, against conservatives, to try to get them driven out of the media. I've had people try to do that to me as well. Uh, taking things out of context, taking old remarks I've said, things I've already apologized for, magnifying them, amplifying them. Uh, not a healthy way to live. When we come back, though, we got to move on. Someone who keeps saying ridiculous things, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Chairman Moo, doesn't want you to have to work ever again. Good evening. Welcome. It is the second hour of Atlanta's evening news here on WSB. The phone number 404-872-0750-1800 WSB Talk. I, uh, I, I, I don't want to spend a lot of time on the Stacey Abrams stuff. We, we've got audio from uh, Chairman Moo we need to play and, and other things. But uh, Stacey Abrams he's tweeted that for 20 years she thought she couldn't run for president before 2028 and now 2020 is on the table uh, which is fascinating that 2020 is on the table after losing her race for governor of georgia the democrats really are trying to make her a thing i here's why i don't think we need to spend a lot of time on it i don't think she's going to run for president i think she's doing this to keep her name out there, keep the buzz alive because she's going to run against David Perdue. Uh, the National Republican Senatorial Committee really thinks she's going to run against David Perdue. There are behind-the-scenes rumblings she's going to run against David Perdue, and, and so I really think this is just PR. Uh, and honestly, I, I have over the years learned not to trust people who have spent their whole lives plotting their path to the presidency. 
And that goes for Republicans as well. This is not a Dean gets Stacey Abrams per se. Uh, I, I, I don't I don't trust people who are so deeply ambitious as to plot their path to the presidency over a period of 20 years. And I realize more and more people are doing that as politics becomes a thing in this country more than it used to be. But I don't like it. It just it, it, it kind of it weirds me out that people want to plot a 20 year trajectory to get them to get themselves to the white house. Now, before we get to Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, I got to deal with the democratic meltdown in the state legislature. Uh, They are still seriously upset over the fetal heartbeat legislation. And Beth Moore, who is a, uh, she represents part of Gwinnett County. She is a, I believe a freshman representative in the state legislature representing parts of Johns Creek, Berkeley Lake, Duluth, North Croft, Petrie Corners. She put up a deeply demented series of tweets, and I, I, I do mean that sincerely, deeply demented series of tweets uh, related to her floor speech, where, let me just read you the beginning and the end. This is a tweet one in a series of ten. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Ladies and gentlemen, I rise today with sadness that the devil is at work in these chambers. His mission is to sow fear, lies, and discord among us and to test the bonds of our friendship. Tweet two. Though my God calls upon me to forgive those who would trespass against me, now is the time for men and women of conscience to rise up and reject this awful bill. This is the fetal heartbeat legislation. She concludes with these. I leave you with a simple notion, colleagues. God was intentional when he entrusted women with the power and privilege of childbearing, not men, not governments. If you trust God, then you must trust women and you must vote no on the fetal heartbeat legislation. This is deeply twisted theology that the devil is on the side of pro-lifers and God is on the side of the abortionists. And that God intended and entrusted women with the power and privilege of deciding which children could live or die. In addition to that not being theologically true, it's deeply demented and twisted that anyone would think it was true. And this is the level of religious conviction over abortion you've now got among Democrats. You've now got Democrats, Beth Moore, a, a state representative in Georgia, positing that that God is okay with women deciding who lives and who dies. And it is the devil who wants you to keep children alive. This is a deeply twisted, and it is the Democrats amplify this, and I don't think that they ever understand that contrary to conventional wisdom, most women support restrictions on abortions. And even the media is is suggesting that this is a turning point in Georgia. Proof Georgia is about to turn blue is that the Republicans passed uh, uh, restrictions on abortion in Georgia. When poll after poll after poll after poll shows that women, majority of women, not just plurality, but a majority of women support restrictions on abortion. And here you have come in this this state representative who says that uh, God wants women to decide if you can kill kids. There is a, a, a serious spiritual deficiency here, and you don't need to be outraged about Beth Moore. You probably need to pray for her if she's out there suggesting that the devil's the one who supports kids and, and God supports abortion. It's just very, we'll talk about perverted theology. Okay, so Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, she was at South by Southwest, and 
Well, we need to deal with some of these clips of hers. L listen to this. We're taught to like, like put our hair back and be small and, and articulate in a certain way and, you know, be square and essentially try to, uh, try to Does do anybody an say square? of power, which has really our subconscious signals to try to act like white men. So women are supposed to act like white men. Does anybody actually use the word square anymore? I mean, I realize she just did, but but good gracious. Well, she's she's going on and on about these things, and, and I think she is the gift that keeps on giving for Republicans. Here she is on capitalism. There are different ideas of what does capitalism mean, what does socialism mean, etc. But for me, when I think about what those definitions are, Capitalism isn't, to me, is it's an ideology of capital. It puts capital, the most important thing is the concentration of capital and it means that we seek and prioritize profit and the accumulation of money above all else and we seek it at any human and environmental cost. That is what that means. And to me, that ideology is not sustainable and cannot be redeemed. But when we talk about ideas, for example, like democratic socialism, it means putting democracy and society first instead of capital first. Uh, wow. She's supposedly an economics grad and she doesn't even understand capitalism and free markets, which is staggering. Uh, it's a willful mischaracterization so she can build up democratic socialism as something, except one of the, the great experiments in, in uh, socialism in the United States of America was the New Deal. Franklin Roosevelt's New Deal, Social Security and Medicaid, uh, Medicare. They, they, were, they were New Deal policies, and what does she think of the New Deal? The other way with the New Deal is that we act as though the New Deal wasn't racist. And the New Deal was an extremely economically racist policy that drew literal red lines around black and brown communities. And, and basically, it invested in white America. And what it did was that it allowed uh, white Americans to have access to home loans that black and brown Americans did not have access to, giving them the largest form of intergenerational wealth, which is real estate. And so this has really, it, it really accelerated many parts of an already uh, horrific racial wealth gap that continues to persist today. So how do we turn this around? Where do we begin with this? Because it, that's historically not accurate. Now, it is accurate to say in some cases that's the outcome that happened, but it's not accurate to say that the New Deal was racist and only catered to white people. Uh, history shows us otherwise. It was also a way to get all Americans back to work. It was a way to get And By the way, the New Deal didn't work. The New Deal was socialist policy, and it's widely accepted by economists today that the New Deal exacerbated the Great Depression in the 1930s and 40s uh, didn't actually solve what it intended to solve. And it's also widely accepted that the policies that came out of the New Deal were socialist policies. So she wants to tell us the New Deal was racist and bad and we need socialism. But the socialism she wants is what was foisted on us by the New Deal. Uh, she, I mean, she's gaslighting people. She, she's trying to make us not believe our, our lying eyes, so to speak. 
this isn't a smart person, but she's given enough attention and people aren't allowed to push back on her. If you push back, you're racist, you're, you're misogynist, you're sexist, you're a bigot, what have you. Um, these are ideas that have to be pushed back upon. And, and they gave her a forum to mouth off on these things without anyone challenging her. And it's very clear she doesn't actually know what she's talking about. And yet she is the face and voice now of the Democratic Party that wants to set policy in this country. And it's going to be deeply destructive for all of us. I have to tell you guys that I have used my Quip Electric Toothbrush for more than two years, so much so that I asked Quip, I sought them out and asked them if they would actually advertise on my radio show because I love them so much. And so now you listening to the podcast can get the ad as well because I really do like the Quip Electric Toothbrush. I've used it for about two years. The things I like about the Quip Electric Toothbrush are that it doesn't have a huge fat handle that makes it hard to hold. It's the size of a regular toothbrush. It doesn't have a charger that you have to carry with you when you travel. It works on a AAA battery, and every three months, they send you a new brush head. So the brush head stays fresh. Even though the body stays the same, you can get it in multiple colors. They send you a new AAA battery when they send you the brush head, and the brush heads are only 5 bucks. It's a great toothbrush. It is designed by dentists and designers together, and you can tell. That's why I love the Quip. They're backed by over 20,000 dental professionals, and they start at just $25. If you go to getquip.com slash Eric right now, you'll get your first brush head refill pack for free with the Quip Electric Toothbrush. So you get your first refill pack for free by going to getquip.com slash Eric. That's getquip.com slash Eric. All righty, to the phones we go, 404-872-0750, wsb talk JR in Norcross, welcome. Thanks, Eric, I love you. Um, let's see, I was just, um, you know, this is the second time my wife and I were just talking about this the other day, there was some other um, politician who did the same thing, invoking the Lord, praying about this, you know, that... Uh, her pro-choice position. What 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 Bible? What God are they talking about? Uh, the the cultural one, not the real one. Um, the, yeah. It, okay. It, that that makes sense to me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you it, know, bringing this strange fire before the Lord like this. I hope they remember what happened to Aaron's sons. There you go, Jr. Listen. Uh, the problem we have today with with liberal Christianity is that it seeks to conform uh, the Word of God to culture as opposed to conforming culture to the Word of God. And so every new liberal cause uh, is twisted somehow uh, to fit into Scripture, or Scripture, rather, is twisted to fit that cause, whether it is uh, gay marriage or abortion or transgenderism or, or what have you, all these social causes of the left, somehow Scripture endorses all of them, uh, but not the plain meaning. You've, you've got to twist Scripture. You, you've, got to, you've got to extrapolate something from what isn't there. You, you know, theologically, you know, the God of the Old Testament is the God of the New Testament. Uh, Jesus, the Christians believe, the Messiah, uh, was the Word who spoke creation into business. I mean, John 1, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Uh, he spoke creation to being, and one of the, the essential characteristics of God is unchanging. Uh, that is why Christians believe you, you can't have a, a scripture beyond scripture. You can't have new revelations. It, it's all there because God hasn't changed. And, and to twist scripture to fit these cultural d- desires of the left is, is a heresy, and yet that's what the Democrats are doing because they want religion. 
The phone number here, 404-872-0750-1800, WSB Talk. Let us go to the phones. Daniel from Monroe, you're up next. Welcome. Hey, Eric. Happy Monday. Or <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I haven't even had time to get into the daylight saving time nonsense. Okay, I haven't caught up on my sleep either. But yeah. if I didn't like you so much and I didn't like my car stereo, I probably would have punched it listening to AOC. <laughs> um, I don't know if you can compare that to the scene at the end of Billy Madison where people were dumber to have sat there and listened to that. <laughs> yes, we're what all dumber. What is she thinking she's going to accomplish with this? Does she actually think she's going to flip Listen, I, I people in 2020? I think she is the, the front for a greater cause. She's the face for a cause to move the Democratic Party to the left. There are a lot of Democrats who they won't admit it publicly, but privately they actually admire uh, the Tea Party effort in 2010, 2012, and, and 14 to move the, Dem- move the Republican Party to the right. They admire it. They don't want to admit it publicly because they hate the ideas, uh, but they do admire that uh, the the Jim DeMints of the world, the Jim Jordans of the world, the Ted Cruz of the world were able to push the party to the right. They want to do that on the left. Uh, so they found a uh, telegenic bartender from Brooklyn to be their face uh, who doesn't actually have the policy chops. She doesn't actually know anything. Uh, she she says she's read books, uh, but books that she's read appear to have just uh, been confirmation bias. And so she says things that, that sound good to a generation of people who know nothing, um, and yet they don't actually, when you pay attention to them, don't actually make sense. Uh, I want to play one more clip of, of her. Chairman Moo, Bolshevik, Barbie, whatever you want to call her. Listen to this. One of the things that's difficult is... You know, people should not necessarily, we should not be haunted by the specter of being automated out of work, right? Uh, we shouldn't, we should not feel nervous about, uh, you know, the toll booth collector not having to collect tolls anymore. Um, we should be excited by that. But the reason we're not excited by it is because we live in a society where if you don't have a job, you are left to die. We, we should get to a point and we should, uh, structure our systems, whether it's a tax rate, whether it's uh, distributing wealth that is created by automation. Um, if we talk, if we, if we approach solutions to our system and start entertaining ideas like that, then we should be excited about automation because what it, what it could potentially mean is more time educating ourselves, more time creating art, more time investing and investigating in the sciences, more time focused on invention, more time uh, going to space, more time enjoying the world that we live in. Uh, because not all creativity needs to be bonded uh, by wage. You know, there, there's something actually, I think, deeply disturbing here. Um, and I, I don't intend this to be a theological point, but but it is my worldview. And, and so I, I need to need to go there. When you when you go to the Garden of Eden in Scripture, uh, Genesis one and two, the, the, the creation account prior to exile from the garden. Uh, God tells Adam and Eve what uh, to to basically be married to be fruitful and multiply, to not eat from the tree of uh, the knowledge of good and evil. He actually tells Adam that that's part of the problem uh, at the fall is that he told Adam and Adam uh, never really accurately told Eve. Um, But then uh, there's another thing God tells them, tend 
the garden and be good stewards. Now, theological liberals will look at this and they say this is a call for environmentalism. Uh, And there is that. But there's more to it than that. God intends for people to work. Uh, there's this screwed up notion of, of eternity that when you get to heaven, we're going to float on a cloud and, and, and just pray all day. That's not actually it. We're going to work. We're going to have jobs. Uh, the, the new heavens and the new earth will look like this, this earth to a degree uh, without sin, without death, uh, without the problems of this world. But there will be jobs. There is something soul-fulfilling about work. Work gives people meaning, and, and uh, Moses clearly knew this. God knew this. Uh, Throughout history, people have known this. When you look at countries that have tried this universal basic income, uh, Scandinavian socialist countries have tried this uh, basic income, and they've given up on it because it harms the psyche of people. People do get lazy. They sit on the sidelines. They don't work. It's one of the the issues we saw with welfare in this country that led to welfare reform in the mid-1990s. When you give people money and they do not work, bad things tend to happen. It's not just idle hands. There's something soul-fulfilling about work. And so these Democrats, uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez among them, who say uh, we should be excited by the prospect of not having to go to work because the robots can do it. No, 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 no. That, That gets it all wrong. Uh, when we're replacing people with robots, people are losing meaning. There's a reason suicides are increasing in this country, and that has something to do with it. People are losing meaning in life, and one of the, the meanings in life that people are losing is, is the sole fulfillment you get from work. And so it's real great to say, hey, we can raise taxes on the rich and give you money so you don't have to go to work. The robots can do the work. You can go to outer space instead. It sounds great. It's a fantasy. It's not real. In the real world, things end badly when you do that. I, y'all, there is this effort, in, and it's not just the Democrats, by the way. Uh, although they're the most vocal about it, there is this effort in society these days to drag down work. As if work is bad, uh, that, that you should be able to go out and, and pursue your dreams. You shouldn't, as, as she said, bond them to the need to make a living. Actually, you should. You should bond your dreams to making a living. Your dreams will be better. Your your dreams will be more lived. Your work product will be better if it's tied to your need to earn income. That's just the reality of it. People who don't work, we have seen this time and again in civilization throughout history. People who don't work end up badly. Their children end up badly. When your children have no work ethic, when you have no work ethic, uh, things end badly. And you can say, as, as some socialists say, well, that's just because we've known no better. We have to retrain ourselves for a life. No, I, I'm telling you throughout history. When you don't work, things end badly. When other people have to work so you don't have to work, things end badly. Uh, you, you enslave a class of people in society, whether it's the rich, the poor, uh, minority group, someone, so that you don't have to work. It all ends badly, and, and it does ultimately end in someone being indentured in some way, enslaved in some way, so that you don't have to earn income, and that is a bad thing for society. We see this most recently in Finland and some of these socialist countries that decided they would raise taxes on the wealthy and they would pay people a minimum basic income so they didn't have to work. They had to scrap the program. And you know one of the reasons they scrapped the program, incidentally? 
it wasn't just that the people who didn't work were having all sorts of bad societal effects happen to them. It's that some people who didn't work decided this isn't fulfilling. I need to go to work. There is a longing in your soul for fulfillment that does not just come from being able to paint unicorn farts all day while someone else works so you don't have to. Alrighty, one last phone call for the night. Garen from Alpharetta, you're going to be it for the night. Welcome. Hey, Eric. Hi there. I want to know if you think, I want to know if you think that the uh, there's any correlation or a comparison between this basic minimum income that people are talking about and the prebate that was part of the fair tax that Neil Bort was, was pushing out. No, I, I, I don't think so, um, because in large part what that was is it was a um, basically the, the earned income tax credit, uh, a, a form of that, uh, because we weren't going to have an income tax. Uh, I, I don't think the universal basic income is that, in that that actually is a sustained income. The, the earned income tax credit wasn't, uh, it, it was for the, the poorest of the poor to be able to help them raise their kids. A, a basic annual income, universal income from the left, is designed to actually pay someone a paycheck, a quote-unquote living wage to do nothing, uh, which is just absurd. It's been tried in other countries and has failed miserably in large part because a lot of people actually realize they do want to work, and in some cases, things end badly for society. you got to work. It's good for your soul.